Hello again and welcome to another episode of College Football Down Under. My name is Aaron Kemp and as always I am joined by Will Murden. How is it going tonight, Will? And thank you for the second take of the intro. It's, it's just a delight to do There's it There's a very twice. light-hearted mood in here. I think we're going to have some fun today. I'm looking forward to it. Bit of cheeky banter in the lead up to this as well. Can only serve us uh, well. Well, well, well. <laughs> if only your banter's as good as your English, we should be going okay. Uh, I assume uh, that you know our preparation is professional, as always. And... You know, I'm, I'm thinking about the best athletes in the world and their preparation. So I'm talking the Usain Bolts. I was going to say like Lance Armstrong, but he's probably not a great example. He's a fantastic example of preparation. He is meticulously <laughs> jamming drugs into his body so that he can perform at the peak of that drug-fueled sport. So yeah, I think that's a good example. Right, so my point is, is, is like eight beers in the lead-in to this particular episode, is that a good idea? Absolutely, I think so. I think podcasting as a medium, definitely, this, this has to go well. Teachers, teachers have that hard life, don't they? Eight beers oh, I, can, I know this is an undercurrent, a backhanded compliment, not even a compliment, just a slap in the face around the work that the great people in our profession do. So yeah, anyway, uh, we've got a big show to get to. Not so much in terms of games, and I've said that multiple times this year, but actually this week sucks balls. So if you are thinking, you know what, I don't want to watch this week, wouldn't be surprised. I would, if I was you, I would pick a game. Just go one, whatever it is, one of it. There's not a lot in like pick one pick the pick the team you're interested in the most pick pick the team that you think is most watchable pick the offense you like the most pick the coach you like the most and go with that and fuck everything else off because it is an absolute nightmare outside of that yeah i mean that's real harsh but there is a lack of games that have an impact on the national scale we know the Big uh, 12 is sorted, we know the SEC is sorted, we know the ACC is sorted, so with all of that off the table, it kind of does dilute The Americans sorted, the Americans sorted, the Big 10 has some question marks and we're about to talk about that as well, uh, but as a result of kind of all this situation and around games being slightly irrelevant, which appears to have occurred earlier this year whilst we've really enjoyed this situation around COVID and the fact we've got games it feels like it's gone dead in the and the games have lost value here in this last last week so they are doing that and as a result we're going to have a big chat about the draft players involved in that and if you're a and if you've got an nfl slant to you or if you're concerned about players leaving for the draft uh, because you are going to gut your roster we're going to talk about that as well so we've got a whole bunch to get to in terms of a draft update before we do that there is a bit of news that we need to get to so let's hit that first I haven't told you about this, but the transfer portal is going. Oh, 
off. 121 entrants into the transfer portal in the last eight days. There were 26 heading in there on Monday alone. That information thanks to Brett McMurphy. But what does this all mean, especially with this year not counting towards a year of eligibility for players, an increase in numbers? This means there's more people looking for a new home when there are a few fewer homes to move into. Is this dangerous for the transfer transfer operators, William? I don't think it's dangerous. I think it's a, a real opportunity for programs like Miami, who've you know really benefited from that sort of thing previously. It's a, it's a massive boon. So just to, for my clarification, is this something that has only recently opened up or has it been open across the journey the whole way? What, what's the go with it? Why are we seeing such an increase now? I honestly, I've got no idea. I think, I think some of this is around the, the preemptiveness of the one, one transfer option that the NCAA has approved combining that with the one year of free gameplay effectively there is everyone's got a red shirt this year if they want it and as a result you're seeing a lot more people saying you know what if i'm in a situation that i don't want to be in i'm not going to be any longer i'm not going to wait two three years to play football i'm going to jet i'm going to find a new place to play and this changes the landscape of college football Admittedly, a lot of these guys are either um, kind of brand newish type operators. I like how we've got through our whole news segment where we're on the one topic already. But a lot of these guys are from different areas of the country. So you might have a whole bunch of guys from Texas that have headed up to the Northeast and, and they're playing in a situation that is culturally somewhat different to what they're used to. And as a result, they're like, hey, I've been here for 11 months and I'm like, this feels weird. I want out, so they do. You know, Florida guys going to Nebraska, California guys going to Alabama, whatever the case might be, they are not happy with their situation and they've got the freedom now, they've got the autonomy to start moving around and they're doing that. So I don't, I don't know where this leaves anyone and I think it'll all come out in the wash. I think the danger is the fact that the NCAA has not given any more counters to the recruiting process. You're only allowed to have 25 intakes. Your transfers count towards that. This is going to hurt recruiting classes as well. So we'll see how this acts moving forwards, but we need to keep on trucking. So we're going to do that. We're not going to hang around here any longer. If you've got any more comments, Will, you can hit us up on Twitter, on our Instagram or on Facebook at CFB Down Under. You can leave us a five-star review. You can subscribe to the show and tell us all about your thoughts on player movement in college football. Our next point of news, Ohio State, Michigan gets cancelled. That means Jim Harbour doesn't go on six. Well done. Well done. But also, Ohio State aren't going to go to the Big Ten Championship game because they haven't played enough games. At this stage, yes. So there's still questions. They're still scrambling to see if they can get another Big Ten team in and eligible and available to match up potentially. Or they're still petitioning to say, hey, can we change the rules? Can we get Ohio State in? I noticed that the big... uh, Sorry, that... Michigan's AD came out and said, look, unfortunately we can't play, but we do support 
the changing of these rules to allow Ohio State to be eligible for this, which was interesting considering the rivalry and, and hatred nature between those two programs. What are your thoughts on this? Do you think that the rules should hold steadfast and that Ohio State should be ineligible? Because they've played five games. And again, I look at a situation, Miami 10-1, and one, lost the number one team in the country. Ohio State go 5-0 and oh against a mediocre schedule. Do I think Miami's better than Ohio State? 100% no, I do not. And I want the best teams in the playoff. But this is a situation where things get really ugly because I've got no doubt that if Ohio State played a full gamut, a full slate of games in the Big Ten and their out-of-conference games as well, I think that there's a loss on the board for them just the way they've played this year. And they're not getting that. I think they're a really good team. I don't think they're unbeatable. And this is a weird situation because half of me goes, they don't deserve to be in there. They haven't played enough games. There were these rules here because I'm a little bit of a rules guy as well. But the other half of me says, well, they're still the best team in the Big Ten on paper, so they deserve to be there. Where do you come down on this argument around Ohio State's eligibility within not only the Big Ten, but the college football playoff as well? I'm on the get them into the the conference championship game give them an opportunity to play it in there that will be a good enough game for them to present their case there I think your statement around you having no doubt that they couldn't run the Big Ten as undefeated like I think they're significant favorites in every game that they play in the Big Ten and, and that, that doesn't shows, mean they go undefeated it, it doesn't no but I think that there's every chance that they do you gotta play the game you gotta play the game certainly but I think if if without getting to a Big Ten championship, then no, they shouldn't be in the playoff conversation. I think that teams that have fronted up, played that full slate and done it on the field, get that opportunity. If, however, they are given an opportunity to play for a conference championship against another team who has been deserved to get into that, then on the back of that, that there's enough for them to go forward into the playoff. So do you think that the Big Ten should change their rules to allow them to move into the Big Absolutely. Ten? Absolutely. Where, where do these fucking rules come up from? Were they made up this year as they, part of yes, what's happening 100%, here? Yeah, yes. this isn't like a long-standing rule that's been tradition and it's kind of guided the Big Ten before us. This is some shit that was made up whilst a whole bunch of other stuff is being made While up the world as we was go. on fire. Exactly. Like everything is getting made up all the time at the moment. So if you need to adjust something because it makes sense to do so, don't be afraid of that. Yeah. I. Yep. Okay, cool. Can't argue with that. All right. The other thing that has come out is semi-final watch lists. And whilst we could go over the Broyles Award for the greatest assistant coach in college football, we're not going to do that. We're going to focus on the awards that our Australian boys are in because that's really what we are here for. That's what started this podcast in the first place. So let's start with the Lou Grozer Award, which goes out to the best place kicker in the country. Traditionally, Australians have not fared particularly well in this. We, ha In fact, we haven't even featured. It is a position that probably comes up to Americans, obviously, what we have. I think you'll find uh, Brad Craddock at Maryland won the award. Yeah, okay, cool. But like, it's not something that we probably hang our hat on 
quite like the Ray Guy Award. Absolutely not, no. But to completely dismiss the work of some of oh, our Australian so brethren. For fuck's sake, it's brethren, you dickhead. So if you're going to mock me, at least do it correctly with the correct English. Um, but overall, this goes to the place kickers. So those guys kicking field goals. And again, traditionally, this comes from boys in or from American backgrounds or occasionally from soccer backgrounds. Uh Having said that, there is one Australian, Alex Hale from Oklahoma State, is representing the Australian contingent in the Lou Groza Award, and fantastic for him. There are 20 semi-finalists at this stage. I don't know that he is going to... I don't even think he's probably in the best half, although... Um, kicking is one of those things. I mean, like all these awards, there's certainly a very media-influenced popularity drive push for a lot of these these guys. I mean, um, you know, whether it was... Who was the boy from Georgia with the glasses who's kicking in Detroit now? Rodrigo Blankenship. Blankenship. Like, he was, like, super popular because he wore glasses and he's fucking goofy and, like, he you know, plays D and D and, and, and now he's like kicking field goals and shit and people are super happy with that and, and, and cool. But you do have to get that kind of wind up behind you. Alex Kestman at Pitt has been really, really, really good. Uh, you know, there's a whole bunch of other guys, but Alex Hale is the guy for the Australian contingent at Oklahoma state. So congratulations to him being in the top 20 kickers in a, field of what 130 odd schools in division one sorry not division one in fbs football then you know you can certainly congratulate him on that and we can move on because i am rambling yeah i mean it was it's it's his first year of action like true action uh, going here and he's gone 13 of 14 so he was near automatic on the year and and as a supporter of college football when your team has a good kicker it is just like a a massive relief because kicking game at college is dicey at best like you you can go through it and every time your kicker lines up it doesn't matter if it's an extra point or if you're 60 yards away your butthole is puckering because you just don't know (laughs) what you're gonna see you, yeah. you feel like you're almost as likely to have it blocked and returned for six as you are to nail it through. And he was fantastic this year. Unfortunately, I think it was in the Bedlam warm-up, he pinged a calf and, Ooh, uh, injury. and has, been, has been out since. So that, uh, that was a pre-game warm-up. And since then, we've had uh, another kicker come in at Oklahoma State and he's really struggled. He, like some of the balls that are coming off of his foot are going at right angles and hitting the fans in the stands out to the side like i get it they don't have a net out there they've only got it behind (laughs) i mean i've been a part of watching miami i saw uh, a season where every kick we didn't have a kicker miss against us for a year which is fucking unbelievable but that was a thing and then we had a year where they fucking Miami kickers just shat the bed every time they were missing from 22 yards, from 31 yards, from 18 yards. Like, I know what it's like to not have a kicker and having someone that can put three points on the board consistently from anywhere inside 40, anywhere inside 45 just makes such a massive difference. Let's head over to the Ray guy. This is the one that we are all about. 
So there are 10 semi-finalists at this stage. And Will, who keeps a far closer eye on the gameplay of punters than I do, has got a lot of disagreements and he's not particularly happy. But at this stage, we have got, what, four Australians? Kurt Christodoulou at Pitt. We have got Lou Headley at Miami, Tory Taylor at Iowa, and Hayden Whitehead at Indiana. Of those four, Hayden Whitehead appears to be the lucky one, but there's also a couple of guys that are a little bit unlucky to not be in the conversation as we stand today. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's quite a number of guys that have put up fantastic numbers, and it's an interesting one to understand what stats they look at and what film they're reviewing when they go through this i mean on the whole like they've, they've done a good job and it's obviously tough to pick about around such a marginalized aspect of the sport but you you have to feel for guys like max duffy who even though he's missed a couple of games has had a fantastic year his numbers are top 10 numbers and i feel like the reason he's been left on the outer is just a bit of fatigue of how good he was last year like it, it is yeah. a step back from We've the talked about that here around the uh, Heisman as well. Like yeah, when you when you're in the Heisman conversation, you've got to be better than what you were the year before, and regardless of whether that is the best or not, is irrelevant. Absolutely, I, I think other guys like Lucas Dean, who had fantastic numbers, but conceded some fairly significant return yards. I think I think has hurt him. Uh, John Haggerty at Western Kentucky, uh, he put up volume. Like He's punted more than twice the amount that guys who did make it in have, and his numbers are almost on par. So when you kind of see that stuff, it gets a bit frustrating for these boys, but congrats to all the ones that made it. it it's fantastic. They do such a good job, and I, I honestly think your boy Louis Headley is certainly right in the running of this one and if he can have a big game this weekend in a marquee matchup then that could clinch it for him so so give us probably your top three or four at this stage like because there is some distance like you're talking a five yard on average five yards per punt difference between kind of the top through to the bottom of that of that top 10 bracket like someone like a jake kamada who we've mentioned a lot and not uh, on air, but sort of between us around at Georgia, who's someone who hasn't put up many punts. His numbers aren't fantastic, but he's got a little bit of that media hype. Louis Headley, on the other hand, he's put up fantastic numbers, and there's probably four or five other guys in that bracket. I, I don't want you to blow smoke here. Who's got a legitimate chance? Yeah, so it's it's tougher this year than it has been the last. I feel like when we had uh, Max Duffy last year was a clear-cut, first place winner the year before Braden Mann man? at yeah. A&M he, he was averaging like 55 yards he was like five yards greater than anyone else this yeah. year the numbers are, are down across the board and it is a lot closer so when we're talking this this top group it is quite close and you really need to dig in deeper to how many balls have been pinned inside the 20 and inside the 10 and return big yards and all of that sort of stuff make a big difference so I like think, big moments in a game. Like I think like punters in a game, like you're pinned, you're inside the 10, can you flip the field? That has an impact. Definitely, definitely. Uh, but for, I mean, for mine, the top three as it stands are probably Jake Kamada, uh, Louis Hadley and Presley Harvin. Are you going with Jake Kamada? Because you were ragging fucking on him. 
I think from a volume standpoint, that's my big concern. That's the big knock on him. But in terms of the numbers, I mean, he's had two returns for two yards. His net average is the best in all of football, and his overall average is second uh, only to Julian Diaz, who's had 18 kicks himself. So, like, he's got to be in there, but I think it's those three with Tory Taylor right behind them as well. So who's unlucky to not be there from the Australian contingent? Is there anyone that we should that should feel a little bit hard done by? I feel like I mentioned this already, but uh, more than happy to go over things again whilst you've had a few beers. Those, uh, yeah, yeah, thank you. So, <laughs> so I mean, Max Duffy is certainly one. Lucas uh, Dean, I feel like I haven't heard his name. That's all I wanted to hear. And Adam Corsack. I just wanted you to say the names. All right. Okay, no, that's fine. I, I definitely did mention Lucas Dean's name, but Adam Corsack wasn't mentioned, and he has been fantastic at Rutgers and uh, their year where they're starting to turn things around. So there you are, my friend. All right, let us move on. We're still not going to hit uh, game previews just yet, but do you have a fair dinkum for us, Will? Like, I need to agree or disagree with this statement that you're about to vomit in my mouth. Yes, I have one for you, uh, and it is that... When we see the SEC championship game in uh, a couple of weeks, we're going to have Alabama and Florida go head-to-head. That game there is going to determine who wins your Heisman trophy because the quarterback of the winning team will win the Heisman. Uh, I'm going to say that's not fair, Dinkin, because I think if Clemson win... If Clemson win their ACC game and Trevor plays really well, I think he takes the reins there. I mean, I hear where you're coming from, but I think the Clemson situation has a greater bearing. So if I had to classify this, Trevor Lawrence holds the Heisman in his own hands. He controls his own destiny as opposed to um, Kyle Trask, who is relying really on a a good game against Alabama that's probably not going to come to fruition. And Mac Jones? He's a step back. I think that the I know I know everyone's talking about Mac Jones and he's really really good, but the the knock on an Alabama quarterback is always going to be you play at Alabama. As long as Nick Saban's there and as long as they're recruiting as the way they are, the quarterback kind of just goes as it goes. Like it's not that special they're not considered in that Heisman race because they don't do it. Like, again, we've mentioned this before. Kyle Trask is only recognized as a Heisman contender because he's so different to what he was last year and he's so different to what Felipe Franks was. And that's the it's the step up that is relevant, whereas Mac Jones is expected to take on what Tua did last year. He's expected to take on what he did last year. And as a result, he is not going to get the full recognition would if he was say at I don't know, any any other any other school really any other school okay interesting i really like this uh, info because you're not a fiend for the betting markets like i am so i've obviously gone in to see what vegas thinks about this and they very much agree with my statement so they're saying that mac jones is a dollar 70 favorite to win it he's you know right out front we've got kyle trask at two dollars ten and then, like, it's those two. After that, we're looking at Trevor Lawrence at 21 bucks, and Justin Fields. $21. $21 and Justin Fields at $21. It's a two-horse race, according to Vegas. From what you've said there, for all of our listeners, might be worth chucking a few bucks down on Trevor Lawrence. 
Yeah, I think so. Like, I mean, we can talk about this a little bit later, but there's still games to be played for both Alabama and Florida this week. And I think that Florida come up against, uh, sorry, Alabama come up against an Arkansas team that to win the Heisman, you've got to play consistently well. And if, and if Mac Jones has a down week, recency bias is a real thing. Florida play LSU at home, admittedly, and LSU's defense sucks. So I could see him going off again, but maybe he has a down week as well. And if that's the case, well, you know, whatever. You're you're one bad week away from being nuked as a as a Heisman contender. So um, yeah, I don't hate the Trevor Lawrence pick actually because I can just imagine in a week's time or after the conference championship game, Trevor Lawrence has beaten um, uh, Notre Dame. Mac Jones plays meh but beats Florida or even kicks the shit out of Florida. As soon as they kick the shit out of Florida, well, Kyle Trask's out. Mac Jones is has a workmanlike effort and Trevor Lawrence is the talk of the town again. So it would be an... An interesting battle there to the end. All right, we are going to get through all this shit this week, but we're going to continue to try. So let's get to our draft update. As you mentioned, conference championships are decided. Um, teams are out of bowl contention as well with the amount of bowls being cancelled. So let's have a look at four positions in college football. We're going to have a look at the quarterback position, running back position, wide receiver position, and tight end position. And the relative impact we believe that they can make at the next level, at the NFL level. I'm not talking about where they get drafted because at this stage, we can only assume there is a correlation. I know there's a lot of disagreement between us. There is a correlation between, you know, where they get drafted and the impact that they're expected to have. So let's start at the quarterback. And there are always, always, probably more so, but certainly always quarterback-hungry teams. I believe that we are probably a little bit in a situation where there seems to be a bit of a dearth of quarterbacks at the moment. The Jets, the Broncos, the Jags, the Bears, the Patriots all could definitely use a quarterback. And then after that, there are a whole bunch of teams with question marks. The Bucks, the Colts have both got older quarterbacks. Panthers, Teddy Bridge. Falcons have got an older quarterback. Washington desperately need one. The Rams potentially even have got questions. And Matt Stafford, he's old as balls as well. So the Lions also are in that mix for a team that could take a quarterback. So there's a whole bunch. And it felt like only five years ago that wasn't the case. However, Andrew Luck, the biggest name in recent memory, Trevor Lawrence looks to overtake him in terms of the talent, the surefire prospect. Is he as can't miss as what everyone's making out to be? Absolutely is. We've seen it. He is someone that the Jets have done a fantastic job on the weekend by running cover zero when they're up. That is bullshit. I just, I just, sorry. This isn't an NFL podcast, but if you, like, Greg Williams got fired on the back of that play call, he is not around to see the fruits of his poor labor, if that's the argument that people are making. So why are people making that argument? Oh, it's a stitch up for him. He's done a fantastic job there. He's jumped on that grenade for the well, organization. Yeah, okay. If they're uh, just giving him a handshake and saying, call a cover zero to make sure we lose, 
Here's $500,000 for sure. I, the whole, I would more buy into that. The whole coaching staff is on the way out in the off-season anyway. Yep. It's like that, that's got to yep. happen. So he, he knows it's happening there. He's done this either for the handshake there or possibly because that like he doesn't give a fuck anymore. So he, he's going after it and try, trying to dial some shit up because why not? Uh, so... I yeah I, I think it's clever. You, you got to get Trevor Lawrence. They've got to do it. Even like a team like the Jets, who have Sam Darnold, who's shown bits and pieces. Like he's his supporting cast. You're not going to not pick garbage. Trevor Lawrence though. You're not going to exactly. not pick Trevor Lawrence. Exactly. You, you've got to do it. But it's really harsh on Sam Darnold because everything he's had around him has been relatively terrible, and for him to be able to succeed there with the coaching staff that they've had and the support cast across the board like it's just he's on a hiding to nothing trevor lawrence is gonna be massive i think new york's an awesome spot for him because it's a massive market obviously uh i uh, yeah it, he's he is the next andrew luck and i think he can even take it to the next level cool all right i'm glad you kept that short okay so less less interest i suppose in that pick then because he's going number one he's probably going to the jets whatever justin fields is the next quarterback up on most people's boards but there's more question marks around him he's six foot three so lawrence six foot six he's six foot three so he's a little bit shorter he plays in an offense that moves players around they've consistently had quarterbacks that don't succeed at the next level and it's an offense that asks him to make plays out of the pocket. So he's not going to benefit, or my take is he's not going to benefit from starting straight away. He needs to go to an environment where he's going to sit on the bench for a few week, few years because the last Ohio State quarterback that was forced into action, into action was not ready. He crashed and burned in Washington. That's Dwayne Haskins. And I think there's a real danger that Justin Fields does this as well. I am... If there's a quarterback I'm off on, it is definitely him due to his pocket awareness and the fact that there's going to be defensive ends at six foot four, six foot five that move like he does. And I just have got concerns about his ability to uh, hang in the pocket long enough, hit passes in those windows, and be a consistent chain mover at the next level. Yeah, okay. I think I'm not on board with you on this one. So I think Justin Fields in most other classes is right up the top. Like he is fantastic. Yes, I, I will agree with you that there's some work that needs to be done in that pocket awareness. Uh, and this year he hasn't really been able to get the reps he probably would have benefited from before moving on. So he could certainly do with getting into a spot uh, where he can learn and, and kind of be brought along into the game. To compare him to Dwayne Haskins is a bit unfair because Dwayne Haskins is not not closely compared to Justin Fields. Like Justin Fields is a much better player, much he better set records. He set records at Ohio State. He did, but I mean Fields is, is doing the same thing with his uh, efficiency. Like he is a deadly accurate passer of the ball. So with that, I'm a believer of Justin Fields. I, I think he can get it done, and I fully expect him to be drafted in the top three and go on to have a successful NFL career. What I mean, what is successful? And and we have had these discussions long and hard. 
It sounds more sexual than I intended, as always. But, like, who are you taking right now? Are you taking Kyler Murray with some runs on the board? Are you taking Justin Fields, unknown, but with the potential to take your team over the top? I Like, I take Kyler Murray at this stage because we've seen he can do it. And I think he's got a good, like, a, a really good platform to continue to build and to be a very, very good NFL quarterback. Not that I'm saying Justin Fields cannot be that. But from what I've seen, like I'm, I'm high on Kyle Murray at the NFL level. Okay. I think Justin Fields, and I've been wrong about this, and I'm going to have some super hot takes here. I think Justin Fields is going to be a mediocre starter in the league, and I, I think he hangs around for five, six, seven years. Uh, not even that, five year, four or five years as a starter, and then he goes into a backup role. Um, I just don't think he has got what you want. And... That that's where I'm at. He's got a live arm. He's got a big arm. He'll push the ball downfield, but he doesn't have what it takes with pocket awareness, handling the blitz well, and that is the difference at the NFL level. Okay, let's move on here a little bit because I'm not a good ranker because I'm not a good NFL scout, but it's the next tier down, and I've always had an issue with these guys because I don't really understand what the point is in drafting them, if I'm honest. The guys that fit between rounds two and four, I'm talking Trey Lance, I'm talking Zach Wilson, Kyle Trask, Mac Jones, Jamie Newman, they all fit in kind of this range. Who do you like the most and why, and what do they offer your team? Because if you're picking them in round two to four, you're saying, yeah, you're good, but you're not great, and I don't know if I believe in you as the starter. I mean, yes and no. It's kind of a bit relative, though, because whoever's picking here might have a super high grade on them. They might like them more than Trevor Lawrence, for all we know. That we're, like It's just that, that this is the opportunity they get to pick them. So I think it's probably a bit harsh to kind of judge teams on that. If you see someone move up to the number three spot to take one of these guys to go after Kyle Trask after he goes on, has a fantastic SEC championship game, wins the Heisman, maybe that happens. Who knows? Uh, but like from my side, the hardest one is Trey Lance. Like I've barely seen a dude play. I don't watch mm. a lot of North Dakota State football. I've read some really promising things, but I've got no, you know, proper evaluation on where he's at. Uh, Zach Wilson this year, I've loved watching. Like he's been awesome. I think the throws that he's made are genuine NFL level throws. The fact that he's coming out of BYU, substandard competition that he's been playing against every week is certainly a knock, and and it's really hard to kind of replicate all of the things he's going to see at an NFL level in the things you were mentioning earlier. That's the same in any college team, though, to be fair. Like, Kyle Trask isn't running a pro-style offense. He's not, but he's going against dudes who are going to be playing on Sundays. Like, in the SEC, the defenses he's facing are much more aligned. Like, not at the same level, but it's a hell of a lot closer than what Zach Wilson's going to be seeing. Yeah, yeah. The pass rush that he's going to be feeling there is certainly uh, much more like what you would expect there. I think the, like the other thing on that one whilst we're going through him is Mac Jones and the weapons he's got. It's always going to be a knock on him and it's, it's hard. Like He's been awesome this year. He's favourite to win the Heisman. He's been, his numbers are through the roof. But his supporting cast and the team that he has around him just make it so hard to get a proper evaluation because if you're driving around in you know, a brand new Ferrari, you're going to be 
beating everyone off the line and <laughs> destroying people around the place because you've got all the tools at your disposal. So it's really hard to get an evaluation. You put him in a dats and you go, well, is he a good driver? Mm, I don't my know. Lanos was pretty good in <laughs> high school. I think that was all right. But, but that's what I really like about this class that we've got here. There's there's this nice mix of things down below where you can kind of pick your guy. You can watch a bit of film. Like people listening to the pod, you can watch them and go, well, I saw this and I liked it or I saw this and I didn't like it. And then you can kind of follow that on into the pros. So there's certain guys that you're kind of formulating your opinions on based off of what it is. And then it's fun to kind of see how that plays out. So there's certain dudes that I've liked and, and thought were awesome and would succeed and completely flop. And then there's other guys where I'm like, there's no way he's going to make it. Like Lamar Jackson, I thought he was going to really struggle. I thought he was a freak at the college level, but everyone would, you know, everyone's you could, faster yeah, I mean, at the NFL level. You could argue that he is struggling a bit. Like his his passing game, which is the strength of a quarterback, is not great. Let's be real. Like he can run the ball. Anyway, I think the other issue with Mac Jones, and this isn't a knock on him, it's just the fact that he came in to replace Tua and everyone's like, well, you're not Tua, you're just a white dude who can't move quite as well and you're not this new spread offense guy and you're just kind of a bit mediocre in his first few starts and he didn't light the world on fire last year when he came in for the injured Tungavailoa. But this year, when he's trying to, if he came in fresh... He would have established himself and people would have looked at him through a different lens. But this year, he's, he's got, he does have a knock on him because of his up and down inconsistent start to his very short and you know, inexperienced career at that point. Yeah, absolutely. Let's keep this rolling, mate. Otherwise, yeah, we're let's be do that. Okay, night. running back, limited compared to last year. You've got Travis Etienne at the top. Are you drafting him at the bottom of the first round? Because that's where he's kind of graded out as he's a good open field runner. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. His pass protection, I've got a big question mark next to his name. That's not saying he's good or bad. I just don't know yet. Um, but he's not going to find the tough yardage up the middle against an NFL defense. Where do you think he grades out and and are you picking him in as either a professional prospect or a fantasy prospect yeah i mean yes on both ends so i think he is one that it makes sense to take him in the back of the first start of the second kind of similar to what we saw with clyde edwards hilaire last year I, i think he's a step up from that i think he's a better player there and it's it's all around the fact that he has that dynamic ability. He's an excellent receiver out of the backfield. We've seen that. His ability to kind of catch balls out of the backfield or even line up as a receiver and catch them there, like he's a legit weapon in that aspect of the game. So when you have someone who's a true three-down player and can be plugged in and relied upon and is going to be a massive upgrade over probably, you know, 26 other backfields in Whoa. the NFL. Mm. I think he's uh, he, he's certainly got that top 10, top 8 running back uh, capability ahead of him. And I, I think he should be drafted accordingly. I don't buy that. I think he's going to be a bit of a... not Maybe not a disappointment, but I'm not big on Travis Etienne. All right, let's move on. We don't need to drag tail on this. Najee Harris... Strong in all facets of the game without being a freak at any. And I think this is the big knock on him is he's never flashed. Compared to Josh Jacobs, Derek Henry, Bo Scarborough, which we've talk, spoken about off air, 
these guys always looked freaks at times and Najee Harris has never really done that. So where are your thoughts on him? Is he a guy that you know you should be looking at as a plug and play three down guy who can change your backfield? I, I probably not. I think he's more of a, a complimentary guy at the next level. For, for me, I'd, I'd have ETN as that one who can do it all. And then, like, everything we've seen from Najee Harris is that he's amazing in terms of he can score, he, he can run through massive holes that are provided for him by a big offensive line. And, like, he's going to be a good NFL running back. But he's certainly not in that top tier, and I think the way that it goes and, and the rotations that they run with now, he's just another guy that you kind of plug in there and can rely on to get consistent, solid production. So I'm not having him pegged as a superstar at the next level. I think he's more a guy that shares the role with someone else and, and does a fantastic job and maybe gets you know five really good years there. But for me... And then he's, he's out not- of the league. Well, yeah, unfortunately, the way, the way that's the way it tends to go for the running, running backs. Go, yeah. All right, uh, let's roll through the next guys then. So talk to me about some of these. Kenny Gainwell at Memphis, who put up some massive numbers last year, opted out this year, but super explosive. You've got Chuba Hubbard at Oklahoma State. You've got CJ Vidal, Oregon. You've got Kylan Hill, Mississippi State, opted out. You've got the UNC boys, Michael Carter and Javante Williams, that big steaming back. That sounds like a poo. But uh, Zamir White, who's been a little bit disappointing at Georgia, who are you taking? Why? What are they offering? Do you have the three-down guy that you're kind of wanting as your, you know, your, your kind of lead man? Or are these all kind of bits and pieces sort of operators? I, I think they're all bits and pieces operators. There's nothing there that, like, there's no can't miss prospects from that. And I, like, for everything you said with quarterback, I find running back to be an incredibly difficult one to assess and, and judge where, where they're going to come from because all of the See, I guys. I find that funny because I find more comfortable with the running backs. But anyway. Yeah, okay. I mean, for, for mine, there, there's serious question marks about almost everyone that you listed there. Uh, if we start with uh, Kenneth Gainwell, he's had limited uh, carries, at, at, and it's at Memphis. Like, yes, he's explosive. All fucking Div 1 running backs are explosive. You know, like they're, they're all physical well, freaks. I, uh, I don't think there's enough there for him to kind of jump out that he's that, that next level better from what we've seen play out on the field. So there's a big question mark there, especially having sat out this year. Uh, Chuba Hubbard's been super disappointing this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was obviously incredible last year, but a lot of it was when he got in the open field, he was faster than everyone. You know, whoop de doo what, what you need to be doing at the NFL level is making people miss and then accelerating away. You need to have that broken tackle or yards after contact that, like, yeah, he was fantastic last year, but he got he ran the ball a lot. And this year, he's kind of been found out there. He His offensive line play has been poor and he hasn't been able to do it himself, which, you know, no one can. Cam Akers has turned out to be a, a solid NFL yeah. draft pick from what we've seen. I wouldn't say flop. That's a bit harsh. But... Um, like Chuba Hubbard, his this year has taken a significant hit in his draft stock from what we've seen, and I think the other one in, in his space is the pass blocking has has been somewhat disappointing. Um, mm. The the one that I kind of have liked, who yeah, I'm not sure. Javonta Williams. At, yeah, uh, I like Javonta Williams. He's he he is a bigger body. Like he's he's got that NFL 
type body. He's kind of more in for the Australians. He's more like the 102, kilogram kind of operator, a little bit sh- not massive. Like he's not six foot plus. You know, he he's going to be able to run dudes over, but he can hold up in the pass blocking game. He offers something in the third as a third down back. He can receive out of the backfield. I agree with you. I think Javante Williams is probably the pick of this little group. Um, so yeah, I, yeah, we agree on something. There you go. I think Zamir White's been disappointing. If I'm honest, like coming in, um, you know the the expectations on him, and and he was a really highly recruited guy. I think this is a sort of year where you're going to get a whole lot of value in the rotation of guys, plenty of later round picks. I mean, you look at someone like Aaron Jones, who no one like he's a UTEP guy. And he came in and and has really taken over that Green Bay backfield. And you're not really like high and prestigious schools don't equal awesome running backs all the time. So uh, this is a bit of a pick your poison, guess and hope a little bit, I think, in the running back game this year. All right, let's move on to wide receiver. I think they're a little bit limited here as well. Well... We've got Jamar Chase. He is the cream. Relatively tall at six foot one. He plays a little, almost smaller than six foot one. Good body control. Will beat defenders both one on one, with speed and with route running and with strength at the point of attack as well. So he can sort of do it either way depending on his matchup. He looks really, really good. Jalen Waddle. I'm not a massive fan of the one trick ponies. You know, I'm not a big speed guy at the wide receiver position. Hollywood Brown, Henry Ruggs. I wasn't big fans of them, but if I had to pick one of the three, Jalen Waddle would be my guy. He's got an ankle injury and he's coming off that. I think I'm more likely to take Devonta Smith. I don't know where he lands. He's probably late first, start of the second. He's skinny. He's small. He's, you know, a little bit physically underwhelming. But if he wasn't, if he was, if he was Jamar Chase's body, he's going number one. His production is elite, and that is something that is consistently undersold by recruiters. Is the un, is the production element? So, of those three guys, where are you sitting, and who are you taking? Uh, I mean, Jamar Chase for me every day of the week. I think he is a fantastic prospect. His physicality and athleticism and he has all the natural traits like he's the full package you mentioned he's not one of those massive receivers like 6'6 coming in at 6'1 and even kind of can look a little bit shorter than that but he plays tall He, he knows how to high point it he knows how to position his body he's got that that ability to contort in the air and and make plays which you see the really good receivers doing so I think for me he's the can't miss I agree 100% on Jalen Waddle I mean there's got to be concerns there about some of the limitations from like a physical aspect in his size and that it, it is a true speed thing and he doesn't have that same like 425 speed we're talking when we say like a Henry Ruggs like he's not at that level yes he's quick yes he's tough but there's certainly a few question marks there. Like he's a fantastic prospect, but for mine, there's a bit of risk. And then you tackle on the ankle injury as well, and and recovering from that, you've got to have a few concerns. Devonta Smith has proven that he is a superstar at the college level, and. I don't know what it is in the back of my head going into this year that I was kind of like, nah, Devonta Smith is the, the Alabama receiver that's not all that. Like, he, he kind of made that amazing play in the national championship game. 
Uh, and, and I was kind of always off him. But then the more I watch him, the, the more highlights I see, I'm like, this dude is legit. Like, he is mm-hmm. the real deal. So he's been skyrocketing up in my opinion. And I think, like, I've got him ahead of Waddle. I've, I've got him right up there as a first-round wide receiver. Uh, and then, like, after that, I know we haven't really mentioned it. Like, Terrence Marshall is a bigger guy uh, at LSU. They, they've yeah. obviously had fantastic wide receiver crew there. He, for mine, uh, is a standout. Um, we go, we literally go off a cliff at that point. <laughs> like, yeah, like it I, is. I'm a big Tylen Wallace fan. Obviously, a bit of a homer pick. Well, what's for mine he doing there. at the next level though? That's going to distance himself. He's not big. He's not particularly fast. What's he going to do to separate at the NFL level? I, I think. I mean, it, it's a very fair point. I think he's a fantastic like football player. He's a guy who runs. Yeah, and- like there, there is a role for that. Like, like it, oh, one hundred percent. I think, I think the argument, and sorry to cut you off here again, Will, but I think the argument is you always want a Julio Jones, and if you don't have a Julio Jones, you need a speed guy. And you know what? And especially guys that probably, uh, I think you and me probably fo- both fit into this boat. Is we're gonna, you know what? We're gonna outcraft some people. We're not gun athletes, but we're gonna just outwork you and be smarter than what you are and i think tylen wallace fits into that boat and there's a place for that and he can still excel doing that yep absolutely i mean and like he's gonna have his knocks too coming from the big 12 uh and being like similar to some of the guys that have come out there and and not really delivered like Corey coleman uh josh doxon a a few of those sorts kind of follow similar arcs where it's similar Washington. sort of build in in that open look yeah james washington even um that uh, justin blackman <laughs> like uh that, he was a bit that, bigger though he's a bit bigger than Tom was, so. yeah 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 uh but like yeah i guess the point is that there's a bit of a knock there i, I think he's a fantastic player I have been wrong on a time or two with my Oklahoma State receivers, so maybe that's just uh, the rose-coloured glasses there. What are your takes on uh, a Rondale Moore? Yeah, I knew you were going to ask that, and and probably another one that fits into that boat is Kadarius Tony at Florida, uh, because they're both kind of these scat backy, deal them, wheel them, deal them, and and you've mentioned this before. They need to land in the right place. Um, whether that is at Kansas City with Andy Reid, whether that is, I can't even think of other good examples. Um, who else is going to use their guys in a really good spot? I, I, I don't really know. Um, maybe the Carolina Panthers, I think, probably with their young coaching staff, um, you know, and they've got Joe Brady there as the offensive coordinator. I could see him using them, but they're a real, you've got to land in the right spot. I don't believe in gadget players. I, I just, they're, they're, bit, they're bit players and you need to have the right guys around. You need to have a quarterback established. You need to have your number one receiver. You need to probably have a, one and a half to two receiver and they're the extra guy they're the guy that pushes you over the top that adds a different element that you keep on contract for that first three or four years that's where they offer value so it's a real landing spot thing for me in terms of the wide receivers i don't believe in them it, it, like if they're just landing in you know uh well 
who's a good example? The Minnesota Vikings probably are a good example. Justin Jefferson's there's a number one guy. Go and land there. You've got a number one guy there already. And then you've got Adam Thielen as number two, maybe. And that's disrespectful to Adam Thielen, maybe. And then you've got that guy. Yeah, like that's a fucking, that's hard to defend. And that's exactly what the Kansas City Chiefs have done. So I think you go and do that. You go and grab one of those guys if you're Minnesota. But if you're desperate for wide receiver help, you don't open with Kadarius, Tony, or Rondale Moore. Yeah, you don't want to be Chicago, let uh, Alan Robinson walk, and then go, that's cool, we'll put in Rundale Moore. And just... <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, let's get to the tight end position. This is the one I'm most excited about because I've always enjoyed drafting these on Madden. I've always enjo- enjoyed recruiting these guys on NCAA. We are blowing the time frame out here hard. But so hard. Kyle Pitts, oh, so hard. <laughs> Top 20 pick. I think he's a really good one. He crushes teams in man coverage. You cannot put him one-on-one against the safety because he will bully him physically. You can't put him one-on-one against the linebacker because he'll burn them. He can take the top off. He's a good contested ball catcher. I think he can do everything in the receiving game. As an inline blocker, he probably struggles at the next level because there's defensive ends and linebackers that will eat his lunch physically, but that's just a time thing. On you know the next probably group down, Brevin Jordan at Miami, Pat Frymuth at uh, Penn State is a really really good one as well. And then after that, we probably thin a little bit hard. We've we've spoken about Charlie Kohler. Physically, he's the biggest and best in terms of run blocking potential and the biggest frame. But his you know uh, work outside of the red zone is a little bit limited so what are your thoughts on the tight ends is it someone we can look to get really excited about i know chicago took a took a tight end last year who they were so they were so giddy about and that was so great last year in the draft yeah but in general drafting a tight end early does not normally end all that well like there's very few difference makers at the tight end position in the NFL and you tend to be able to find them a little bit later so it's it's a it's a risky proposition to go after them in the first round because what are you trying to find uh Gronk it just it's it's not going to happen it hasn't happened it doesn't happen Gronk so, fucked the position like Gilchrist fucked wicket keeping in cricket like <laughs> Correct. You can no longer just be a gloveman. You need to be able to hit the ball out of the fucking stadium too on yeah. a regular basis. Yeah. Uh, like And Kyle Pitts, yeah, I, I like it in the, everything he brings to the table from an athletic standpoint. Everything you mentioned, he, he's an impossible matchup and that's awesome. But those concussions that he's had this year, mm. coupled with the fact that it is a tight end position would have me super wary of investing my team's first round pick in him. Uh, I think he'll I, go in the first round though. Absolutely. will. He'll be a top 20 pick and, and it's going to be a fascinating one to see. But if I was a more risk adverse GM and I cared about my job, I'd probably be looking elsewhere. Like I'd be getting into my scouts and really asking them to kind of dive in and check on that. We've got uh, producer Jess in the background, which is nice. Has she given us the wind up? Oh, so hard. So hard. <laughs> What's going on, English Jess? No, nothing to offer at this point. She's tapping on the glass. So, oh. I mean, the others that we have here in uh, Brevin Jordan, Pat Frymuth, uh, and Charlie Kohler, like for mine, I like them as second, third round picks. Absolutely. I, I think they can play a role there. But yeah, I, 
Like, yeah, it's 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 not they're not first round guys, and I think it takes a little bit bit of development at that tight end position yeah. as well. And I still think like tight end to me is the most exciting position because they can be a difference maker because you get both elements of or all elements of the game on offense and if you get a good one they are literally unstoppable and we saw that with Gronk for a lot of years okay let's get to some game previews because we need to do that I feel like this episode has been going on for at least a million years so let's get into that we're going through chronological order at this point Arizona Arizona State the only reason this is worth mentioning is because both teams haven't won yet which means someone has to uh, I'm taking Arizona State. Yeah, um, Sun Devils also in this one. Alabama at Arkansas. Can Arkansas not get blown out here? I think if if they can manage, if Felipe Franks can operate that offense and they can slow the game, take the air out of the ball a bit, and if they can get not beaten by more than 20 points, that or oh, 21 points, 28 points, that would be like a massive win for them. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to see that as a win, though. Losing a game by four touchdowns is never great, but I can't see anything else on the tea leaves for that I, Like, I would I would take a four-touchdown loss <laughs> against Alabama <laughs> at this point. All right, we are going to Georgia at Missouri. Some men just want to watch the world burn. This is my chaos game of the week. I don't believe in Georgia at all. Give me the Tigers outright here. Outright here. Connor Bazelak will have a big day. Missouri will stop the run just enough. That's all they need to do. Just enough to hold the Georgia offense down. JT Daniels will be kept out of this one. And I'm taking Missouri to win outright. I like it. I like this uh, hatred you found of Georgia. Like you, you just I have. Very good. <laughs> yeah. You're really good. off them. And you, you're getting behind my boy, Connor Bazelak, uh, and, and them to be able to provide this upset. So I think we can team together on this one and we can get the Tigers a victory. Your hatred like, of Georgia yeah. and my appreciation of the Mizzou quarterback. Good. Uh, Minnesota at Nebraska. Even money in this one at this stage. Adrian Martinez, who we were big on coming into the season and last season and the season before that, but he's been pretty good at the quarterback position for the last couple of weeks. Uh, they will want the same again from him as he appears to have taken control of that number one spot. Tanner Morgan, he is an NFL quarterback next year, probably. Um, I don't think he will do anything but declare at this stage. So he's going to look to solidify his spot and move up draft boards with that bold bounce of his. So he's going to want a big game and a big finish to a pretty disappointing season. But, gee, if we were picking this game at the start of the year, you're giving me Minnesota by probably two touchdowns. I don't know if it's there at the moment. So what are your thoughts on the Gophers and the Husks? I don't know where you're getting even money on this one because I'm seeing Nebraska as 10.5 point favourites. And, and I really? think that's fair. Absolutely. Nebraska oh, uh, at home in this one. The Tanner Morgan, are you talking NFL? He's been average this year. He's thrown four touchdowns. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't think he's great, but like he will go to the draft next year probably. Okay. I'd, I'd be surprised if he gets picked up from what we've seen. I mean, the, the one to watch for in this game is Rashad Bateman, who will be uh, a receiver. I'm not sure we mentioned in ours. He is a bigger body. Correct. He is like 6'4", six, 6'5", six, uh, mm-hmm. true alpha dog. And whilst this year hasn't been prolific, last year in that team that was rolling and doing really well... When he, he had an NFL wide receiver with him in Tylon, not Tylon Wallace, with 
Um, Tyler Johnson. Tyler Johnson, well done. You got there. Thank you. He plays for Tampa. He does play for Tampa. <laughs> I've got even money here. Why have I got even money? I don't know. Can I gamble on that? Who, who are you betting through? I want in. Uh, I'm looking at... I'm, I don't want to give the uh, site away. <laughs> but okay. Yeah. Let's get this going. All right, let's keep on trucking. All right, uh, North Carolina at Miami. Now, we will probably spend a little bit of time here because this is a battle for a potential New New Year's Six bowl game. Kane's coming off a big win against Duke. Sam Howe brings his high-powered offense to Coral Gables. What are your thoughts on the Canes and the Tar Heels in this one? I think this is the game of the week for sure, and I'm really looking forward to it. So it's a nice. You're gonna time watch slot. it. You're gonna watch I the will. Canes. I'm. I'm. Well, I've got my brother's thirtieth Saturday, so it might be tough to get up for this seven. It's a seven a.m. Well, yeah, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, okay, got you. Could be harsh, but like I'm gonna give it my darndest. At the very least, I'll be up for the second half. Uh, I'll get. I'll, I'll walk down to the corner shop. Be. You won't get be. myself uh, a coffee. I'll, I'll try. I'll, I'll give yeah, you that. Okay. No, like just I, like Yoda. You do or you do not. (laughs) There is no try. Both of these teams have been good fun to watch this year. I've enjoyed all of the matches that I've seen between them. I like Miami when they try and assert themselves on the ground and get that run game going with big Cameron Harris. Uh, Derek King is a fantastic player at the quarterback position. I've talked about him a lot this year. I think this one really boils down to how effective he can be and if he can get going against what is a, a... an up and down North Carolina defense. I think they've shown parts with uh, is a big Sage Surratt they have at uh, middle at linebacker. linebacker. They've been excellent in patches, and then they've been pretty woeful too. So I think that they're going to need to tighten up. But this is one of the better quarterbacks that they're going to have faced. Uh, and then on the flip side, North Carolina's offense is really determined by that running game that they get going and this is going to be a tough defensive front to go up against a a one that is coming off of a fantastic effort against a Duke team that is struggling but was unable to get anything going at all so there's certainly a fascinating matchup for me I think Miami probably get the chocolates here and take it to 9-1 on the year which would be a fantastic result keep them inside that top 10 but definitely one worth dialing into. If, as you said in the kickoff of this show, which was bloody hours ago, uh, <laughs> if if you had to pick, you know, just pick one game this week. I'm, I'm suggesting that this is certainly one a good one for that. I honestly cannot argue with any of that. I was going to add some more, but I'm really not going to. I think your takes on. The offense of Miami versus the Tar Heel defense, which has been disappointing. I think if they, if the Canes get off to a slow start, then I think probably UNC get them. And you know, you know that high-powered Tar Heel def- offense will have their way if Miami can't play disciplined football. So I am. Let's move on. I'm not going to go into any depth here. Let's fucking move on. You've done well. Purdue at Indiana. Purdue on a four-game skid. Yuck. Indiana still in the look of a New Year's Six Bowl themselves. So they need to keep on winning. Is there any reason why Indiana can't? 
oh, this would be a huge letdown spot for them. And now this is a team that's solely relying on that defense. So similar to what we were saying about yeah. Northwestern and their, their led up to Michigan State, that's that's the same kind of vibe about this one. I get a little bit concerned there. They're a much better team. They've been really good this year. So I'm hoping for their sake they can keep it going. Well, I'm kind of going for two. Um, Washington at Oregon, two disappointing teams in a matchup that means less and less by the hour, just about. Uh, but who are you taking in this one? Look, I'm it's like go. a battle of retards, actually. This is like <laughs> two is. dudes in a fucking electronic wheelchair just trying to joust or something. I don't know. It's all of a sudden, like, what is an annual really exciting matchup has quickly turned into just a bag of shit. Like, it's kind of similar <laughs> to what we saw with, um, not Bedlam, the Red River rivalry earlier this year. Yeah, like yeah, it, yeah. Every year, you kind of get excited for that matchup. And then this year, you're just kind of like, oh, this is sad. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was probably going to be the same for uh, the big game, uh, whatever they call that one, or the game, is it? Uh, Ohio State, Michigan. Yeah. Like, that was going to be boring. Uh, the Iron Bowl, that was terrible. All these big rivalries. I mean, and this isn't a big rivalry. It's two really good teams in the conference going head-to-head. They kind of all the North stink. as well. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're not going to hang around any long, longer. Dylan Morris versus Tyler Shock, who... May or both of those quarterbacks may or may not be good. We're not quite sure. Uh, Wisconsin at Iowa. Now, Iowa is still playing them. Into a position to play in a big bowl game. Wisconsin's dear life. Uh, I don't know. I guess we wave at the hospital at three-quarter time. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, for mine, the most exciting part will be when they get the hay bales down the side of the stadium and each team lines up and they see how many they can throw over into the stands because I assume that's just what these two teams do. They just spend all day throwing hay bales around the place. Bunch of big corn-fed lads there, so have fun. Iowa are probably going to win. Okay, USC at UCLA. Now, this one actually is a little bit interesting, I think. Um, USC came off a massive win later in the week against Washington State. UCLA's weaked by last week. DTR is back. He played last week in an uninspiring effort. But this isn't an easy game. UCLA have been... They're almost into the ranks of plucky this year. Uh, Their defense has been okay. They can do some things a little bit creatively on offense at times. Uh, using a whole bunch of different formations and, and lots of heavier sets. But I don't know where I come down on this. I, USC are the more talented team, but this feels like UCLA are closing the gap here a little bit. And this is the year that things maybe change a little bit. Maybe they're up at halftime. Maybe they're up at three-quarter time. Maybe there's some funky stuff that goes on. Uh, but the Battle of Los Angeles, what do you think? I'm really big on USC in this one. I think, like, I like UCLA, but I, I think I built you up here, dude. Seriously, I was teeing you up. Come I on. know, but I mean, UCLA are just getting built up to be a bit more than they are at the moment. So, like, when you look back through their schedule, yes, they've had wins over Arizona State and Arizona, but those two teams have literally not beaten anyone between them. Uh, they lost to Oregon, which <laughs> they did tight, and at the time you were kind of like, "Oh, good job losing!" Like, you know, only just losing to an Oregon team who now can't beat Cow. 
I mean, these guys beat Cow, so they got that going. Like, it's just UCLA, I think people think they're probably a little bit ahead of where they actually are. This USC team is decent. They are starting to kind of turn the corner a little bit. We're not, we're not seeing a heap of games from them, unfortunately. Um, but it was a super impressive effort against Washington State. I thought that was going to be a lot closer than what it turned out to be. I, I'm backing USC in this one all the way. They're only getting three points. I'll eat those up and, and watch them win by two touchdowns plus. Okay, cool. Uh, Virginia at Virginia Tech. The Commonwealth Cup, these teams are pretty evenly matched at this point. Um, Virginia are running $7 million quarterbacks on any particular day. Uh, give me the probably the Hokies in this one, even though I think Virginia is the better team. Yeah, I am. The Hokies have lost their last four games, and like they that includes a loss to Liberty. I mean, yeah, it's a good Liberty team, but shit, they're on a slide here. And Virginia, on the other side, have won their last four. And give me tech, of... give me tech. <laughs> I mean, you, you can take him. Uh, I, I'm all over Virginia in this one. I like it. I'm backing them in to win it. We'll um, we'll pick our sides in this battle, and we'll see who comes out. Gobble gobble. All right. Uh, where would you like to go? Would you like to go championship draft or bold predictions? Uh, either or. Let's go championship draft first. Championship draft. Okay. Am I picking first? Because I you give are. zero fucks at this point because you are. I have bombed hard. You had a rough week last week. You you certainly did. So Marshall lost. That that cost you, I think, 11 bucks with them spiraling out. Uh, Oklahoma State lost and they now no longer are having any votes. Washington lost and now they no longer are either. So that all hit you pretty hard. Buffalo jumped in, which was nice. North Carolina Yay, had a big jump in. cute. North Carolina, major six bucks. Uh, and then you've also got Ohio State and Clemson still up there. So total of uh, $54 when you include the dollar you have in the bank. My side, I also have a dollar in the bank at the moment. Uh, I didn't have a great week either. So I had Oregon, who I'd bought in for $5. They lost, dropped out. I had uh, Wisconsin, who <laughs> I think have just lost every week since I've had them and now only worth a dollar, <laughs> um, which not good. Uh, but on the flip side for me, I had Tulsa who won and, and jumped yeah. up, now worth eight bucks. And their game with Cincinnati got cancelled. Their game with Cincinnati got cancelled, so they can't lose to them. So I don't have to sell them. So that's a good one. I can hold on to them for another week. Uh, and Texas made it back up into the rankings somehow. So that's making me money so there. Fucked. All right. Well, I don't even give a fuck anymore because I'm probably going to lose. Although I haven't lost yet in our championship draft across the years. Have you uh, the- ever... That's right. You have won two. Well done. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I'm going to take San Jose State because I think they can win whatever competition. Are they in the Mountain West? They're in the Mountain West. Yeah, okay. So give me them in the Mountain West and let's hope if they win the Mountain West, Marshall wins. What are they in the MAC? They're not in the MAC, are they? No, Buffalo's in the MAC. Marshall's in something, maybe the Sun Belt Conference USA. No, I don't know something. Yeah. <laughs> then they're in they're in a conference. Marshall are in a conference. Then uh, those two teams can jump up, and you know, I mean, what's the worst that can happen? Buffalo falls out. 
North Carolina yeah. falls out. It's probably happening when they I lose like it. F- Does San Jose State have any more games left, though? Or are they done? Are you just waiting for things to kind of happen around them? I'm worried they're not going to play enough games or what's happening there. I'm not sure. Um, but whilst you've made that selection, I'm going to really ride home our selection of Missouri and the upset of Georgia. I'm going <laughs> to grab Missouri. If they beat Georgia, an overrated Georgia team, as you say, they're certainly going to make a big jump in. They'll get into the high 20s somewhere on the back of that, I would yeah, have thought. Don't hate so that. I'm going to grab Missouri, bit of a bit of a stab in the dark. It's not going to cost me anything, and there's an opportunity for me to make some big bucks with an upset victory. Should have picked UCLA to beat USC. Fuck. Can I change that? Look, no, I'm, I don't want to. I'm I'm give me the Spartans. Mood. Give me Spartans. Okay. I'm taking the Spartans. <laughs> All right, let's do this. All right, bold prediction. So bold time. strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. Okay, uh, do you want to start with the bold predictions or you want me? I'm going you, first you because mine's a fucking mammoth of a bloody pick here. I'm calling this a week for the animals. So, I, I then this is, takes some explanation, so give me a second. I'm taking the teams that are animal-only names in Power 5. So, they have to be animal names only. However, there are some things to consider. I am not picking teams that have species of animals. So, for example, terrapins, Maryland, are a turtle. Huskies are dogs. Longhorns are cows. They're out of the running. Don't care about them. Any teams with adjectives, golden bears, golden gophers, not interested. Okay? And lastly, there are a bunch of teams that are named oddly for animals. Tar Heels, Hawkeyes. I don't even know what the fuck a Hawkeye is. Bruins. They're animals as well, but they're out of the running for this. So I need teams that are animals versus non-animal mascots. And I'm sure you can poke some holes in the names I'm about to give, but that leaves us with six games. So I'm picking the winner in each. Colorado, give me the buffs over Utah. Northwestern, I'm taking the Wildcats over Illinois. Louisville, I'm taking the Cardinals over Wake. Vanderbilt, I am taking the Commodores, which is an actual bird, over Tennessee. Baylor, give me the Bears over Oklahoma State. And Oregon State, give me that beaver over the Stanford trees. A Commodore is a... Uh, is it a bird, is it? Yeah, it's like a vulture-y looking thing. There you go. You learn something new every day. Uh, I like it. Um, you're going to have to write that down because I didn't get any of that. So <laughs> keep me updated as to how you're going on that. I've got a similar vein to you. Uh, I've only oh, gone the God. five legs, but mine is today. Triumph. All the teams... Who start with a T are going to win this oh, week. We, this is yeah. this is so, not well thought out, is it? Well, I, I like it. So I've got TCU, Texas Christian are going to beat uh, Louisiana Tech. Pretty safe. Oh, you got Tennessee's going to gonna beat Vanderbilt. Also oh, feeling pretty good about that. <laughs> We're going straight up there. Texas are going to beat Kansas. Yep. <laughs> uh, Toledo's going to beat Central Michigan. Mm-hmm. So so far you picked four favourites. Mm-hmm. Then I've got my last one, which um in a bit of a hole here. Uh, Troy, not not the strongest unit this side, but not not terrible. Have to beat Coastal Carolina. Oh, so uh, that that's me big episode in that yeah, one. Yeah, but Coastal but... Carolina on a letdown. Like I feel like that is you pick four five favorites and a team in a letdown spot. Exactly right. That's well that's... done. You've gone super risky. That's barely bold. In fact. 
Really? All right, everyone out there, you can get $8 uh, if you multi that up uh, with your TAB. It's If it's not a bold selection, put your house on it because apparently Aaron thinks it's going to happen. I actually do think it's going to happen, so don't be a prick. Uh, okay, let us move on. Let's hit on the punt because it's that time of the week to actually lose some real... Here comes the money! Here we go! Money talk. talk. Here comes the money! Money, 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 <laughs> All right, Will, come on. Give us <sighs> Look, norm- normally I do not... cashola. I do not agree with you on my whole I'm going to lose money, but this week, if there was a week, there's a very good chance I'm going to lose my money because last week we which had success. Which means you're going to win money, which means well, you're going to win money. Last week we had success with me backing against things that, like, the stuff that I thought was gross, I put money on that, and, and it worked out well for me. This week I've gone, fuck that, I can do this. I, Will, you can do this, you can get it right. Pick the, the ones opposite. that you feel do great the opposite. About. I mean, our listeners, that would be the smart thing to do because all four of these I'm picking straight up and all four of them are underdogs. And I'm confident (laughs) as hell in every one of them. So lead things off, we've got Wake Forest going to Louisville and they're $2.08 underdogs. Wake Forest are heaps better than Louisville. Oh, yeah. Wake Forest much better team. They haven't played in like a month. But Louisville stink, and Wake Forest's only losses are to very good teams this year. Louisville is not a very good Prediction team. Bowl. They don't fit that, fit that bill. So, bang, we're putting uh, two units on Wake Forest. I like Iowa over Wisconsin. These are two teams heading in different directions. Uh, Iowa's mm-hmm. at home in this matchup. I like it. They're the underdog. They're going to win that. Give me Iowa. Seems odd. Uh, uh, Virginia, I know you're not huge on this. Getting nice, juicy two dollar mm-hmm. twenty one odds here over Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech are not good. They yeah, are on the road. They're decimated. Virginia are on the road, but they're traveling really well. Played really well against uh, Boston College last week. Really starting to come together. I think they're just in a much better place as a squad at the moment. A lot healthier. I'm taking Virginia there in that one. And my last one, I'm going Washington State. At home against Cal. Cal get a big win over Oregon and all of a sudden they're back and everyone's getting around them. This Washington State team, yes, they were disappointing against USC, but I like this. I think it's a good spot. $2.17 at home against Cal. Give me that every day of the week. So, to round that up, we've got four games, two units on each of these. So, Wake Forest over Louisville. Uh, Iowa over Wisconsin, Virginia over Virginia Tech, and Washington State over Cal. And then we put two units on all of them, and then we're back, baby. Uh, scarily enough, I don't hate any of those picks. They all feel good, right? Yeah, they uh, like it's a little disconcerting, which makes me think that do the opposite. But yeah, I 100% agree. I think they, they sound good. The Virginia, Virginia Tech scares me, but the rest, delicious. Yummy, yummy. Get in me. All right. Uh, that brings us to the end of our week. A million preview. Uh, we've talked about a whole heap of shit. This episode has gone forever. Make sure you do hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at CFB Down On. And make sure you do subscribe to the show. Leave us a five-star review. If you've made it this far, congratulations. You deserve a hug. Uh, on behalf of that guy over there and myself, thank you for listening. My name's Aaron, and that is Will, and we will see you Hopefully fucking without an Alabama outro next time.